Friends, if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 17, I believe. Luke chapter 17. I want to start for the next two or three weeks a little series on thanksgiving and what it means to give thanks. And then we're going to start the Advent season, although I realize that some have already started the Advent season. And build up to that great and glorious day when we celebrate the coming of our Savior Jesus. One of the reasons I want to lean into this Thanksgiving theme and one of the reasons that I I want us to fully celebrate Christmas is because these markers and these milestones on our calendar are so important in a year that has been so disruptive. One of the things that I've started doing over the last couple of years as technology has developed is I've started tracking things more intently. And it's amazing some of the things that we can track now. My great, great, great grandchildren are going to have data on me that they will not care about. But three things that I am very keen to track every day I want my sleep patterns. Am I getting enough? Normally, I'm not. (laughs) Secondly, I want to track my steps. Am I working out as much as I should? Thirdly, I like to track my weight. I know many people track their weight once a week or whatever. I want to do it it daily so I can try and control it a little bit better or try and not control it or control the uncontrollables or whatever I'm trying to say. But, But we can track a lot of things right now. But as we move into this Thanksgiving season, I wonder if we could track our gratitude, what would that graph look like? You know, as we reflect over this past year, there's probably been one or two peaks, but if we're realistic... There's probably been a lot of valleys and a lot of lows. Because in tough times, in hard times, in unprecedented times, it is not normal that we become exuberant in our gratitude. It is normal that we just hold things down, we mumble our way through, and we endure what we have to to get through, and we'll save gratitude for later. If that's you and your gratitude level is a little low, as we approach Thanksgiving, I'm going to have to encourage you to dig a little deeper. This week, as I was researching this message, I came across a study that was released in 2010 by FSU and Yale together. Four sociologists teamed up with four psychologists and looked at this area of gratitude. After studying their sample for about 20 years, this is how the study concluded. Psychological research found that people who practice gratitude consistently 
report a host of benefits. Grateful people are physically stronger. They have stronger immune systems. They are less bothered by aches and pains. They have a lower blood pressure. They exercise more frequently and take better care of their health. Then the scientists are saying that if we are living with gratitude, then we're healthier. They're saying psychologically as well, The people who are grateful have higher levels of positive emotions. They are more alert, more alive, and more awake. Grateful people find more joy, more pleasure, more optimism, and more happiness. It's not really too surprising, but now the science is backing it up. Grateful people are better physically, they're better better psychologically, and they're better socially. People who are gratitude are more helpful, more generous, and more compassionate. They tend to be more forgiving, more outgoing, and feel less lonely and isolated. It may be no coincidence that in this year, when we haven't been able to hit the heights of gratitude, that a lot of these symptoms have increased in our world. If that's you, as we approach Thanksgiving, I'm going to encourage you to dig a little deeper to find gratitude. Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 11. It's a story. I'm going to read it to you and just let you listen to it in its entirety. And then I want to break it down a little bit and talk about some of those places that you may need to dig if you want to find some gratitude this year. Luke 17, verse 11. While traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, Seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice, he gave glory to God. He fell face down at Jesus' feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he looked at the man and he told him, get up and go on your way, for your faith has saved you. This year, as you're sitting around your Thanksgiving table, you may need to dig a little bit deeper to find some gratitude. And I think this story tells us three things about gratitude. First of all, 
You may need to find it in places you wouldn't expect. You may need to find it among people you wouldn't suspect. And you may need to find it because in doing so, it unlocks a future that you will want to accept. Let me break down this scripture a little bit. First of all, if we want to find gratitude this year, we may have to look in places where we wouldn't expect to find it. That's the context for this story. Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem. We know what happened at Jerusalem. This was his destiny. This was his moment. This was what he'd given his life for. This is what he'd come for. Big, ugly cross with a glorious, great resurrection. Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem. But he wasn't heading to the Jerusalem in the way that most Jews would get to Jerusalem. To go there, he was going through, we read, Samaria and Galilee. Two regions where the people in them did not get along. Quite literally, Jesus was heading to Jerusalem in a way that most people wouldn't expect him to go. It was almost like there was a path on the border. And while he was walking the border, he came across some kind of folks that because of their disease and their sickness couldn't function in the main towns and cities of their regions because they had leprosy, a disease that was, was very contagious and forced them to be ostracized from their communities. So, so, so imagine that, that right here, this X, let's use this X, is the center of uh, Samaria. Those with leprosy were pushed to the edge of it. Uh, imagine that this is a big city in Galilee. And those that had leprosy were pushed to the edge of it. As Jesus meets with those people, he is meeting with people that had been ostracized from society. He was meeting people in the margins, on the border, who had been placed on the border of society and had been marginalized. He was going through a place where most people didn't go. But in that place, he found some people who needed his message the most. They were lepers. We read that when he entered the village, 10 men with leprosy met him. Now bear in mind, these men would have been both Galileans and Samaritans that were meeting together 
Because when you have need, a lot of our social customs don't seem that important anymore. The divisions that separated them were removed because of the thing that united them and had segregated them, their leprosy. Jesus was in a place that you wouldn't expect, meeting people who were sharing a common bond that you wouldn't expect, but they came together because of the leprosy. We read, they stood at a distance. Those with leprosy invented social distancing way before the CDC did. And in fact, for lepers in these days, the social distancing was not six feet or two meters. It was 50 feet. And it wasn't just that they had to uh, stay away this far. It's that whenever a leper or a leper colony, because they traveled in these packs, were coming, they would have to shout out as soon as they saw anyone, unclean, unclean. Kind of a call to, to give me distance. You, you know, we're complaining about, about masks and six feet and distancing. Just be grateful we don't have to shout unclean as we're walking towards each other. But Jesus is meeting in an unexpected place with an unexpected band of brothers who were united in their distance from people and from society. Yet here are these people from 50 feet shouting, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Somehow they'd heard about Jesus. Somehow they'd heard that Jesus loves to minister among the needy, among the broken. Somehow they'd heard about Jesus' power and his authority. And so they call him Master. This word master is one that's only used once in the New Testament. There are several words for master. This one means chief commander. The one who's in charge. The one who calls the shots. Have mercy on us. This word mercy, as it's translated here, comes from the word cherish, which is another word for grace. And they're standing before Jesus. And they didn't shout out, hey, Jesus, heal us. Jesus, make this leprosy go away. Heal this disease. Rid us of the contagions. They say, God, give us grace. Because somewhere, somehow, They're realizing that there is something they need much greater than physical healing. You know, sometimes in our prayers, right, we get very specific with God, and that's good and appropriate, and Jesus invites us to do that. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, do that. But there's an overarching prayer above and beyond that that says, God, just give me grace. I don't know what this will do to me. I don't know what that will do for me. I think I want that, but I'm not sure. But God, give me grace. And that's what these men are praying. 
Here's the first thing I want to say. If we want to develop gratitude, perhaps we need to spend some time to find it in places where we wouldn't expect. This Thursday night, Daryl and Marilyn and a a few others lead a a church, a dinner church. And it's primarily for, for homeless folks. And I went along and I was excited to be there. And I sat at a table with some men who had nothing. And honestly, conversation was a little awkward because I don't have everything, but I got something and I didn't know how to talk about something to people who had nothing. And so I decided to listen. Sitting with those men and hearing their story was so much more refreshing than sitting with people who have something and everything sometimes. There was no moaning about the virus. There was no whining about politics. There was just gratitude for some good fellowship and some good food. I went to support my friend. But in this unexpected place, I found gratitude. In this unexpected year, if you want to develop gratitude, you may need to look in some unexpected places. I was reading this week, the backstory in a devotional book about a very famous Thanksgiving hymn. The Thanksgiving hymn is called Now Thank We All Our God. Maybe some of you have have sung it as you grew up in church. It was written by a Lutheran pastor in the 1600s in the middle of the 30-year war. In the middle of that war, over 8 million people died And as a pastor, this gentleman was conducting up to eight funerals a day. One of those first funerals that he conducted was that of his wife. And he was left alone to raise his kids. And it was in that difficulty, that unexpected place, that he wrote the words to that hymn that people have sung for 400 years. Now thank we all our God with hearts and voices raised what wondrous things has done in whom his earth rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours Today, he's finding gratitude in the midst of this incredible pain. He's finding gratitude in unexpected places. I would challenge you this year that as we delve into gratitude, to try to find it in some places that you wouldn't expect. Secondly, Jesus finds gratitude among people that you wouldn't suspect. Verse 14, when Jesus saw these people, 
I've underlined the word sore in my Bible because Jesus sees people. He doesn't miss anybody. And even now, it may feel that he hasn't seen you and your need, but let me assure you, he does. Jesus saw them, and he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. That's all he said. This was a big statement because in this day, those that had leprosy were pronounced healed and healthy by the priest. It was almost like the, the priest was the health inspector. If you got a note from the priest, then you were cleared to go back to life. You, you were cleared to go back to society. You were cleared to go back to religious duty. Let me tell you, as a pastor, I am very, very glad, and I think you all should be too, that I do not have that role. <laughs> but he says, go to the priest. And without doing anything, without physically coming close, he's speaking this healing into them. And we read in the next verse 15, that they went immediately, and then as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus healed them on the way. <laughs> Let me just take a little side road and lean into that verse. Jesus healed them on the way. They didn't wait to be healed. They didn't wait to get their stuff in order. They didn't sit down and discuss it together. They just went and Jesus healed them on the way. Many of you are looking for some healing in life. Don't let that need paralyze you from going on the way because Jesus heals on the way. And as they were on the way, as they were going, they were cleansed. We don't quite know how this happened. But my guess is they felt something different in their body. They felt a little bit of vigor, of, of strength. Moving in them and moving through them. But one way or another, they find out that they're healed. And so they head off towards the priest, as Jesus had said, to get the okay to enter back into society. Jesus was changing their world. He was restoring their broken world significantly. No longer did they need to live on the margins. Maybe they could go back to the cities and see their families and their kids. Maybe they could start working again and make a living and find some purpose and fulfill it. And so knowing they were cleansed, they rushed towards the priest. Verse 15, except one of them. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice, he gave glory to God. I imagine as they're walking towards Jerusalem to, to, to see their priest, 
This one said, hey guys, there's so much to look forward to. Isn't it great that we're healed? We really should go back and see Jesus and say thank you to him. You can imagine them all chatting. And they're so excited about getting what they wanted that they said, no, let's just go to the priest. Let's just get our certificate, our doctor's note. This one guy realized something that so often we fall into, that if we don't say thank you immediately, we never get around to it, right? They were so excited to go back to life that they forgot to go back and thank the one who'd given them life. But there's one who did. And out of this mixed group of people, the one who went back was the one that you would least suspect to go back. It was the Samaritan. The one who, for all intents and purposes should have hated the Jewish Jesus because his people didn't get along with those people. If anyone was going to go back to their their normal life and go about their thing, it was this one, the Samaritan. But he comes to Jesus and he fell face down at his feet, no distancing now, at Jesus' feet in worship, in submission, thanking him. Thanking him. And you see at the end of 16, the scripture just says, and he was a Samaritan. Why is that little add-on to the verse there? Because the one who went back to say thank you, the one who had gratitude, was one that you would not suspect would be grateful And so I would encourage you today, if we've got to dig a little bit deeper to find gratitude, perhaps not only do we need to go and try and find it in places we wouldn't expect, but we need to go and find it around people that we wouldn't suspect to see it in or hear it from. Who is that person that is different from you that could encourage you? Who is that person who you should, by all accounts, be enemies of? Maybe they are the one in that process of reconciliation and healing who can point out what gratitude looks like and where it comes from. We discover gratitude in places where we wouldn't expect. We discover gratitude among people we wouldn't suspect. But watch what happens now. Jesus unlocks a future that we must accept. This guy is worshiping at Jesus' feet. It's a beautiful scene. Jesus feels a little bit awkward about it. And his heart is troubled. And so he says, where were the other nine? Didn't didn't I heal ten? And you think, well, why was Jesus frustrated by this? Was it because he wanted his ego satisfied? No. It was because... 
He wanted these other nine, all ten, to realize that the source of their life, the way to live a full and rich life, is in gratitude to God. Didn't any of them return to give glory to God? Jesus' heart is breaking here because there's so much more that these nine aren't getting because they just wanted to go back and give themselves to life rather than to come back and give themselves to Jesus, the source of life. Didn't any return to give glory except this foreigner, the one who shouldn't have did? Jesus addresses the foreigner. He tells him, verse 19, Get up and go on your way, for your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. This word saved talks about the soul. It talks about the inside. It talks about the heart. And here in this scripture, this word saved stands opposed to the word healed. It's not the same thing. All were healed. All ten were healed. But only one was saved. All ten were cured of leprosy. They were able to go back to their external life, but only one of them, because he came back to the, the giver, the source, was saved in his soul. There's a difference between healing and being saved. And many people today, sadly, use God to try and heal them, but they don't let God save them. This week, it was Wednesday morning, about 5 o'clock in the morning, and my phone goes off, and that's never a good thing, normally because it means there's a police call that they want me to help with. And I picked up the phone, and it was. It would be inappropriate for me to share the full story, but basically there was a lady who had left her home at 3 o'clock in the morning and had nowhere to go. She was down, she was out, she was broken, she was in pain. She had nowhere to stay. So I picked her up. And I took her to a hotel. And for three days, we housed her there. And I helped her get in touch with her sister, who lives in a, another state. And they connected and arranged plans to help this lady get back to her sister in the other state. And as I was leaving, having bought her breakfast... Having put her up in a hotel for three nights, having connected her with a sister, she said, I'm really grateful. Thank you. Now, if only there was something you could do to help the internal pain now. And I said, well, there's not a lot I can do, but I'm a Christian. And I believe that, that God can help you. And she rolled her eyes and said, I'm good, thanks. Did we help her? Did we heal her? Yeah. 
But there was so much more available that she missed out on. Jesus says, I've got grace for you. Jesus says, I've got healing for you. Jesus says, I can save your soul. Once your, your, your soul is saved, then everything else can start falling into place because that's the thing that matters most. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians, he has this pain. We're not quite sure what the pain is. He, he calls it a thorn in his side. He says, God, I, I pray you'd remove it. But God never does. But Paul says, that's okay because your grace is sufficient for me. Your power is made perfect in weakness. What I really need is not the stuff on the outside, but the stuff on the inside. As you're, as we're digging a little bit deeper to find some gratitude this Thanksgiving, no matter what your year has been, whether it's had a few ups in the midst of lots of downs, we can be grateful. We can fall at Jesus' feet, thanking him in worship. Because over and above all the stuff out here, that has not stopped him from doing something great in here. Jesus makes that same offer to all of us. No matter what's happening around us, no matter what the circumstances or the situations, there is an offer from Jesus to save our soul that we must accept. That's where gratitude can come from, should come from, when all else lets us down. This year, we may have to dig a little deeper to find some gratitude. I would encourage you to look in places where you wouldn't expect to find it because it might be there. I would encourage you to look for it among people that you wouldn't suspect to be able to give it because it might be there. But as we dig a little deeper this Thanksgiving, the ultimate gratitude comes when we hear these words of Jesus that Jesus offered to this former leper, your faith has saved you. As you have put your faith in me, your soul has been made right with God. There's so much more to unpack in this little story, but I probably need to stop now. But I want to encourage you. Your faith in Jesus has saved you. Your belief about what he has done and won on the cross has saved you.
His redeeming work as he hung on that cross with you on his mind, with the weight of your sin on his shoulders, as he forgives you, that saves your soul. Let us be people who are grateful to Jesus as we approach this time of thanks. Let's pray together. Father, there are so many places where many of us can relate to in this story. Some of us feel like lepers on the border, on the margins of life. Not good enough, not cool enough. Some of us feel separated. That this year has been one of loss. Not just a, a material loss, but a loss of, of time and hopes and dreams. Some of us need to hear the invitation to go to the priest. We need to get back up and we need to get on with life and, and find healing on the way. And some of us need to remember and some of us need to invite you to save our soul. Lord, I pray for those who are within range of my voice that we who have been saved by our faith in you will be grateful to you in these days ahead. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for those who have not had the faith and have not met you and had that experience of you forgiving their sins. I pray, Jesus, that right now, in this moment, you would not just heal them, but that you would save them. Rescue us from a life of our own. Rescue us from a life that is about me and for me. And save me. Rescue me. As you call me your own. Lord, even though it's been a tough year, would you cultivate gratitude within us? And we ask and we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.